Morning, guys. Apologies for the delay. I first realized. <laughs> um, for those listening to this one on Spotify or whatever other platform, I am live streaming from the kitchen today because why not? <laughs> I feel bad. I just got my first boomer moment where somebody somebody did a meme for me and I didn't actually know what it was. So uh, turns out I've got to look up and learn about what's it called here. Thick, solid, and tight. <laughs> see who we got in the chat here. I see Return of the Mac. My God, you showed up early. Tell you a quick Navy story I got here. It's not an interesting story, but it's just something that this reminds me of. I see Alpha Interactions. Good friend of the Irish. Bruce Jones, Julius Caesar is Tagley, Matthew Sylvie, Jay, Baldazar, Jack. Dude, you live streamed at midnight. How are you up again at like nine? You're going to have like four hours of sleep. And always, <laughs> always Jack Donnie's butt plug. It's good to see him. <laughs> One man's way. Always a pleasure, man. How's things going? Hope you're just sitting there staring at that engagement ring, laughing to yourself maniacally. JD, Eric, John. A few Johns. John Watts and John P. It's funny. This is like a huge crowd here. Most of you guys I recognize from Patreon, but whatever. Finally snapped and using the whole jug. No, no, no. I pour, I pour it into cups. I'm uh, I'm one of those halfway coffee snobs. Like, I refuse to use anything but the French press. I like to ground my own beans, but I don't have, like, the fancy hipster grinder because I'm fine with just whatever. The beans can just be normal beans. Like, uh, in this case, it's... Well, granted, you guys have some awesome stuff with ground shark coffee. What the hey? I'll give them a plug. Let me throw it in here. Thank you, Bruce. Said I was hilarious with Rolo and Rich yesterday. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, Ground Shark Coffee, huge fan of the guys. I don't really have ad copy for them. It's just we talked and I like how they're doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Decided to leave the corporate world, do their own thing. And even though the shipping to down to Canada is kind of crazy. So you guys in the States got it really lucky. It's a nice cup of coffee for special occasions. Yeah, if you guys haven't caught it, go get onto YouTube. Go check it out. It was just an impromptu show post-holidays that uh, Rolo, Rich, and I thought, hey, it'd be a good idea if we do this up. It was mostly because of this huge traditional conservative LARPing kind of trend lately. And so we're like, yeah, let's kind of talk about it a bit. And one of the guys asking, should I should I bring up the tweets? I'm like, you know what? No, let's not uh, let's not make this specific. Let's uh, because it's a general trend. It doesn't really matter who's talking about it. But then I realized after finishing the podcast and going back through a lot of the material that uh, we've got over on the Red Pill, there's a lot of stuff we didn't cover. So a lot of stuff. Um. Plan for this episode. It's going to be the first hour. We're going to talk about what's wrong, what's bad about the tread. And uh, the second hour, hopefully John's available. He was going to come in and talk uh, body language mastery. Let me just send him a quick thing. All right. <laughs> Don't sweat it, JD. I don't want to have the, the, the 
money that would be better spent towards rent and paying mortgages and crap like that here. This is this is info this is infotainment. Obviously it does good work, but I mean I'm not gonna do a Dr. Babe and start pulling uh DMs in a chat asking for money. Although that's a rumor. I don't really know if that's true, so we'll ignore that one. But um so what was the stuff that we were doing last night that we didn't kind of miss? I kind of glossed on it. It was the idea that uh, everybody keeps talking about this push to degeneracy and this weird thinly veiled like secular Christianity morality, but it's without the God stuff. And they keep thinking it's like some kind of moral failing. It's because guys didn't get their women on lock or, you know, basically people were weak and that's what caused it. It's not really the case. It's... um. Inspired by a post from Whisper of All People, uh, we were at a period when Jordan Peterson was at his peak. Half the guys that started doing field reports in the red pill were blabbing on about cleaning their room and, you know, the shadow and young was huge. Wait, this was like before Evola was big among like the red pill dissident types there. And, uh, so we got really tired of guys who were just thinking that if they take more responsibility, they'll get laid. It's really out of like that existential teenage crisis is really out of scope for what the red pill is, which is just guys want sexual strategy with the added benefit that it tends to influence things outside of sex. Awesome. But that's really it at its core. It's like a cook. It's like the cooking channel with as base an instinct as it is for, for her men. But here's the problem. Um, actually, we'll start. Yeah, we'll start with the technological thing. This isn't really a problem. Like the genie's out of the bottle. The Pandora's box has been opened. This is a technological problem. Well, I guess problem might not even be an accurate word. I should start doing that Jordan Peterson thing where I think very carefully about my choices. But um, it's not really a technological. It's a technological manifestation. <laughs> Back in the day, and when I say back in the day, think of anybody who's a millennial or older will probably know this from their grandparents. Maybe Gen Xers might still have some friends who are part of it. Maybe not, maybe. Where you go to high school, and out of high school, you have a job. Um, our small little town had a lumber mill. And so out of high school, that was the option. Oh, you go work at the lumber mill. And then right then and there, you have a good job. I can't remember what it paid, but it's the kind of thing you could buy a truck and raise a family on in small town, British Columbia. And that was the way it was. Now that was easy. So you didn't have to have sex in high school because you could hold it. Like what's sexual maturity for people? Let's be politically correct here and say it's at 16 years old. People are first biologically like capable of having sex and the sex drive is there. It's not really peaked. So you're asking somebody to keep it between their knees between 16 and 18. So that's two years. I know there's a, a lot of <laughs> celibate MGTOW types who have kept two-year stretches going. So it's not an impossible thing to ask of kids. Then at the same time, kid turns 18, kids gets a job at the mill or the auto plant or some kind of um, manufacturing mid-intellectual skill. You're not digging ditches but you're not building software chips either. So 
You can pretty much do that out of high school with a little bit of training. 18 years old, you have your girlfriend move in. You guys get married at 19, have kids at like 21. That was the script for the longest time. When people think traditional conservative, that's what they mean. Never mind that that's really not even traditional. Like there's a small slice of human civilization that runs from about 1940 to 1980 <laughs> that this tradcon fantasy lives in. Because before then, people were just working on the farm. Everybody was a sustenance farmer. That, you went to war. That kind of helped out too, because then you just got to, you know, Germans got to rape and pillage France, so. But anyways, back to it. So that's, it's easy to ask a kid at his sexual, sexual, what's the word I want to use? I guess say sexual maturity. Between his sexual maturity and his economic maturity. There's only a two-year gap, so that's doable. And then you got your economic surplus. That's the other life gate. That's when you earn enough where you can afford to buy a house. Now, back then, it was pretty easy to get a house. The parents would help. Like, dowries were kind of things back then. You know, oh, you're marrying my daughter. Here, let's help you with the down payment on your guys' first house. That's like a common enough thing. So that's the Tradcon fantasy. Very small slice supposedly traditional it's really a flash in the pan kind of thing and it was only subsidized because the second world war basically created a construction boom and made america the manufacturing hub of the world for a good 30 years a huge head start now the reason why gen x's are so angsty is because they were around during reaganomics which and for us it would be mulrooneyomics but it doesn't really very catchy or thatcher <laughs> So if there's any Brits in the chat, they'll let you know. Thatcher kind of destroyed a lot of the manufacturing stuff, like the coal mines. A lot of the North was completely aggro at her. Mulroney was similar here with the uh, airports, with manufacturing. And then you guys had Reaganomics, which destroyed the Rust Belt. Oh, I'm glad you like it, Dan. Yeah, um, I don't screw around. I figure you guys are supporting me. The least I can do is give you some decent quality on these things. So that stuff all got went by the wayside because globalism, it was much easier to outsource this to when it was the 80s, that would have been Japan. Now it's China, and pretty soon it's going to be, you know, a bunch of other countries because China's becoming a little bit too technologically advanced for manufacturing trinkets. But so that stuff got outsourced. Now we became an information economy or services economy, I think they call it. Canada, actually, it's, I want to say it's the 70s, not so much the 80s. I think 70, 77 was when Canada switched over. Not the point. Um, now we're in an information economy. So people have to go to college. People have to take vocational training. Everything takes a few more years longer. Now, the problem is you start separating that sexual maturity from uh, economic maturity. So the chances you have to actually get a job that is the kind of thing that would help you support a family that's not 18 anymore. That's pushed ahead four years, 19, 20, 21, 22. So now you're telling people from 16 till 22, you got to keep it in your pants. And sure, some people can, but a lot of people can't. Especially at 18, you put them into college. So they're away from parental supervision. So people are just going to have sex. And add to that, the pill, which was created a little while back, and that's a whole other conversation here about how that worked. So right now you have the capability of no strings attached sex. You have casual sex culture. You have 
parental isolation, and you have a set a widening of the gap between sexual maturity and economic maturity. And this is where you ended up with, you know, casual sex culture got its start. And we're at the point now where a plain bachelor's degree may not be enough. Now, whether it's not enough because university isn't training people properly, which is definitely the case, or it's the case that people just need more out, more years training, irrelevant. Now you're telling somebody to wait till 25, 26. Girls, PhDs are like up to 28 years old before they can even start working. So you're asking somebody to be celibate for a decade, which is absolutely impossible. I don't care how good the Lord is to you. Telling a girl who's got nothing but options, discrete options from her phone. <laughs> Jack, you're a dick. <laughs> Couch finally cleaned the locker room. Smells nice. You jerk. Um, so now you got this huge gap. So that's, you can't put that back. You can't tell kids to keep it in their pants. And you can't tell kids to get married at 18 because what are they going to do? Yeah, I'll get married at 18. Then we got to go to separate colleges across the state for four years. Then I got to go start looking for work. And then housing prices are gone. The fact that globalism has put a lot of immigration in has created a huge amount of pressure for the cities. That and the boomers have kind of cornered the uh, suburb market. So housing prices are so ridiculous that all these pressures, that's the point. All these pressures have made that tradcon fantasy, an absolute illusion. Like it just doesn't exist. And you're going to see every now and then some guys like, well, I did it. I work at a mill and I bought my house at 18 and I got my wife and that's great. Like there's always going to be exceptions, but we're talking trends here. Now, normally I don't like statistics because I'd much prefer we just talk about, you know, our own thing. But at some point you got to realize like the pressure is there to act a certain way. And most people will go with the flow. So girls will thought around because that's what you do. And then guys will try to thought around because that's what you do. And then like Rolo said yesterday, those who can't will pretend that not thoughting around is a virtue. Welcome to the human condition, guys. Hmm, JD's got a good point too. So in the UK, employers are gradually starting to prefer apprenticeships and 18-year-olds who can work wide array and train up ASAP. See, that's the weird thing. Uh, I don't see it so much here because... Companies don't want to take on the fiscal responsibility of training. For them, they treat it as a cost. And there's no guarantee the person's going to stick around, nor should they. We have a very mercenary-like uh, job market right now. So you can't really expect employees to stick around and be loyal. And then, Julius, you have a good question there. Do you think people are going to become more trad this next year? I say no. No, we won't. Everybody's talking about like there's this pendulum swing and that it switches back and forth between feminists and trads. And I'm like, shut up. No, like if you've been paying attention, trad at this point is a luxury item. Like the only person who can have a trad lifestyle is somebody whose parents are wealthy and sets him up so he doesn't have to work. So the trad isn't even trad. Um, You're not going to see it. You may see a wish for it, but here's the thing. Right now, I think the switch is not between like trad and feminism. I think it's between trad and MGTOW. You're going to see a bunch of guys who say the juice isn't worth the squeeze and opt out of the dating market. And then a group of guys saying, clean your room and yada, yada, yada. I don't even know why I'm flipping about Peterson stuff because the clean your room thing, I kind of agree with, but it's not the point. Quite a counterpart term for male thoughting. Yeah, it's called studying. 
guys aren't thoughts like picking up girls is well i don't want to say it's impossible but it's hard it's harder than girls have like girls have a level of abundance that you're never going to see like it's impossible um you can have a hard four and that chick will have more opportunity than the 10 out of 10 chattiest chad that ever chatted male thoughting Oh, I had that Navy story I was going to tell you. So here's the funny thing. Um, every time you had a sail order or sailing orders, you captain would say, okay, we're going to slip at 10 o'clock because that's when we got the jetty permission. We're going to slip at 10, be there half an hour prior. So he'll tell his command team, the XO, the combat officer, all the HODs will be, okay, so we'll be here at you know 9.30 for a 10 o'clock slip. Then they tell the chiefs. The chiefs are like, all right, so my heads of department better be here at you know, 9.30 or 9. And they're like, all right, so we better get our watch soups here at 8.30 so we can prepare. And then the watch soups are like, oh, I get the senior watch keepers here at 8. And they're like, oh, we got to get all the hands on deck here for like 4 in the morning. And it's like this weird trickle back thing. So you're sitting on board at 4 in the morning. You don't slip for like 8 hours. You finished all your work because it was only maybe 20 minutes of prep. And then just sit there goofing around with each other with that weird diesel and Cheeto and body sweat smell that it's, only the Navy has it. I couldn't describe it. You just have to be there. <laughs> um, then I was thinking, yeah, so I come in here, I set up a chat, I go make myself a coffee and I look 820. You guys are already in the chat, chatting me up and I'm laughing. I'm like, am I the captain now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm pretty sure nobody else finds that funny, but me, but it's, it's just one of those things. There's always those, you know, you're a sailor if stories. I guess one more and then we'll carry on. It was always a joke too where um, I think it was a Facebook meme going around where you want to see what it's like to live like your husband does when he's at sea. Well, here's what you do. At three in the morning, I want you to set off the fire alarm, get up, put on your uh, snow pants, snow jacket, a gas mask, grab the fire hose and stand in front of the stove for 20 minutes, then put it all away and go back to bed. Do that every day for like a week. I was like, that's funny. That's every fire station. Yeah. But here, and yeah, you guys, like, so I'm going to go back to Julius's one here because he's kind of got to follow up, and it's a good point. Here's a thing on frame. Um, Patreon, guys, I kind of talked a bit about frame before with some tweets on some specific people. doesn't really matter now. Trad people are going to use degenerate in a little sense, literal sense, but keep in mind, most people aren't trad. Most people don't want to be trad. All those baby boomers that were raised by trads and they had the opportunity for trad, gave them the birth control pill and they gave it they gave up trad for free love right away. They didn't care. So even the trads didn't want trad. If you give them another option, they'll take anything else. This hobby farm masculinity, and I'm coining that one cuz I remember this when I was on the ranch as a kid, every time we had uh branding season like we'd have to brand our cows for you got to do that otherwise people might steal yours so they have to know who's or who's uh there was always a bunch of guys from the city guys and girls that was really fun oh let's go work on a farm how much fun and they're acting like it's a big laugh riot and i'm like screw you guys i was up at four in the morning hauling irrigation lines meanwhile there's two full-grown adults who are having trouble wrestling a calf to the ground so they can brand it me as an eight-year-old kid i'm showing them it's like look just reach over them Grab their two legs, tuck them in, and then lift them up and just drop them, damn it. 
So they were really just in the way. And I think when I hear about all these guys who want to retire and buy a farm and live on the earth, I'm like, you guys just haven't done it. That's why you still think it's cool. <laughs> hmm. TJ with the I tell guys in the gym, if you want to have sex that badly, you're not training hard enough. I don't think it's one of those things you can train out of. Like I get what you're doing. A lot of boxers do do that too, where uh, they wouldn't have sex or jerk off at all. Like a couple days before a match to get them hungry. But, I, and that's like a funny thing. The more you work out, the more your testosterone rises and the more you end up wanting to have sex. But if you're too tired to move, then I guess that's a good thing. But anyways, back to the, back to the trad thing. It's not that many people, like almost nobody. And that's, and that's a problem with Twitter or social media in general. You're going to get, and I've seen this in other things. You're going to get one, two, three, maybe six guys total that push forward an idea and it's going to percolate through and everybody's going to talk about. Because the secret that they don't tell you in content creation is that content, cre content, don't tell anybody, content creation is hard. <laughs> like it is hard to come up with material to talk about, especially if you're doing it on a frequent basis. Especially if you don't have a practice. Now, if you're somebody, we're going to use like Jeff Miller or as a great example on that one, um, excuse me. He's an evolutionary psychologist. So he has material. He can basically teach a four-year university course on evolutionary psychology, maybe even a bachelor or a master's or a doctorate. I don't really know. So he can fill content up because he studied for it. He's trained for it. Rolo can fill content up. He's got three, almost four books coming in. Dealt a lot with hypergamy, had a lot of conversations, done a lot of research over the years. Me, I'm like five, six years of research. I've basically got a bachelor's in red pill, whatever the hell that means, but... <laughs> is this really ASMR like? Damn it. But here's the thing. So I can talk about concepts because there's actually a lot to talk about, but eventually that well's going to run dry and we got to kind of either push the boundaries, develop new stuff, come up with a different angle, whatever. Picture you as a guy, hypothetically, you went to jail for some stupid petty larceny or some crap. You get out, realize that you can't get hired anywhere. And now you're going to be an influencer. What do you have to talk about? Nothing really. So you'll pick up a philosophy book and eh, let's talk about that. And you kind of screw that up or trad is one of those things that it's just people who are no idea what to talk about, just pick something else. And this just happened to be what came up now. Yeah. And some of you guys got a point too. So there was a purpose for it. And that's the thing. Trad wasn't a thing. Like people weren't saying we need to be trad or we need to do this specific life script. You're like TJ is talking about in here, right? perfectly it was a functional survival thing especially when girls weren't really working we'll go back a little further to like sustenance farming if you were a farmer and before 1930 about 97 percent of you would have been if you didn't farm you didn't eat and i don't know if you know this but girls have really soft hands and they don't have very strong backs and they're not very good farmers so you kind of need a man so if you want to find your 18 year old wife straight out of high school then go work in a country that only has sustenance farming <laughs> oh yeah the secret of content creation <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Uh, you guys are doing metal on the Jack podcast. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so you're not going to see it rear its ugly head. I mean, obviously, the Prager University types are going to rattle on about that. They've been talking the same nonsense since the 80s. And I swear to God, I see so many correlations between that like Prager University evangelical conservatism in the States and like the MRA movement. It's just weird. Like they're both kind of preaching that they swear they got the right plan, but they have no ability to persuade anybody to get there. And it's just the way it turns out. It's, it's like manufactured impotence or something like that. I don't get it. But then again, I got, I don't know, we got a love-hate relationship with the men's rights activism. I remember Wine More Please, he was on here and we were, or yeah, I guess that's the one he uses. Yeah, we were talking about that. And I mean, if they make gains, I'm not against it. Like, I think their aims are noble enough. I think their aims are good. We can quibble about what details are which, but that's not really the point. It's not really a hill I want to die on fighting that battle. But at the same time, it's kind of, it feels disingenuous that guys can't get anything done unless they put a bunch of women in front of them. Smart women, very capable women. And yeah, their gender shouldn't matter, but I mean, we are where we are. If a man can't advocate for himself, then maybe he doesn't deserve being advocated for. But you know, whatever. If they manage to fix, they remove the Duluth model and they manage to get uh, custody battles to be more fair, power to them. I just don't, I just think it's a waste of time, but <laughs> Prager. No, I actually meant Prager University. I, uh, so I'll sell, I've been kind of subtly doing it now, but I'll tell you guys right now, I'm not going to dunk on that central Florida convention and stuff anymore. At this point, it almost feels like bullying, like you're punching down. I don't like doing that. And it's kind of just. Other than sometimes, like, I'm still human. Sometimes they just make it too easy, and I got to do it for a cheap laugh, but whatever. <laughs> Don Juan, a four-year degree would make you Morpheus status with RP knowledge and a blueprint to develop the better life for one on your terms, rather than study trig for four years and come out a perfect beta. So that's the thing. Like, there's really two parts to it, and you can't not be in the field, hit on chicks, have sex, make your mistakes there. You kind of, it's the one thing I do like about it is you kind of have to do things. Now, granted, when I did my thing, it was just called pickup. Wasn't even so much that I thought the layers were cool and I wanted to be a real man. It's just, I had no time. My sailing schedule was so bad that either I learned pickup or I just learned how to, <laughs> learned how to hire prostitutes. And I wasn't about to do either. But that's the thing. And this is why I hate uh, what you guys were talking about before how people were calling it degeneracy. It's not really degenerate. I mean, from your perspective, I get it. You think it's a degeneracy, but it's just solving a problem. I mean, you're looking at that stat that all these MGTOWs and black pills and trads or whatever are bandying about where 30% of millennials aren't having sex or haven't had sex in the past year. And that virginity is going up among men three times the rate of women, all these stats. So people acknowledge that guys not having any sexual access is a bad thing. So right there, you got the perfect key for that lock. I guess the whole point of pickup was to teach a guy how to go from A to B or D to V. <laughs> yeah, Qual, I don't think they really do either. I think they're treating it. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, for guys who are listening, his 
Question was, he doesn't think MRAs really understand the sociological side of things, which is true because from the most I've seen, it's mostly an academic kind of thing. They're treating it as if it's like a intellectual problem that you can logic your way out of, which makes sense because a lot of those guys came out of the atheism thing that was like in the early 2000s. Obviously, I love that stuff too. I mean, I named my dog Hitchens. What does that say? And there was this great post. I wish I could... <laughs> Tom, the mafia was just solving a problem of racism against Italians. <laughs> that ain't it, but damn, that's funny. I like that one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm with Chesty here. Proud to say I've never directly paid for sex. Same. Like, yeah, and he, I like how he says directly there. That's the, probably a very, very clever choice of words. You always pay. It's just with a different currency and in a different mechanism. <laughs> you guys are killing me. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah. And I guess back to the trad thing. So here's the weird part about it. A lot of guys act as if red pill guys are like glad it's gone. They don't want it. They think this is much better to be degenerate and fight and do Tinder all day and then die at 70 when you got five hookers around you or whatever. It's not really the case. I mean, there's a subset of guys who would like, I much rather prefer this. And to be fair, if you're sexually attractive, charming, abundance, and you got a good mindset about it, hands down a better go for you to be able to decide when and where you want a family and who you want it with wonderful power awesome but a lot of guys have that understanding that for society as a whole it's probably a bad thing i mean we already know the the pareto principle 80 percent of men are absolute trash and we'll throw out the stat how okay cupid most women found 80 percent of men unattractive you guys all know the numbers. At least I hope you do at this point. <laughs> Dude, I, Tom, I think you started a meme, man. <laughs> I like this. Guys, give me your best problem-solving memes. I'm going to I'm gonna run with these. We're going to tweet these ones out. These are awesome. Actually, you know what? I'm going to open Notepad and run this, write this stuff down. The Mafia was solving a problem about Italian racism. The Crusades were solving a problem about mercantilism in the West. <laughs> well, here, Jay's got a great point there. Where he talks about modern dating is all prostitution with extra steps in a barter system. Yeah, what do you think sex is? Like, were people before casual sex came about were people honestly thinking that girls would have sex with you just because like humans don't work that way there always has to be there has to be something in it for you an incentive to act and that's human behavior across the board so if we want to talk about that and get totally utilitarian here what's the difference in a girl that takes sex for money versus one that takes sex for the willingness to have you work 40 years in a factory for her the only difference I've seen, and it's a psychological one, it's, uh, I want to say it was Cornell that did this, but I could be wrong in the university, but the experiment was pretty straightforward. 
they uh, gave students a bunch of tasks to do. And at the end, they would pay the students. So if the first group, they would actually just pay them. It was like, do this and I'll pay you money. And they were given actual money. The second group was given tokens. And then the tokens could then be returned and uh, traded up for money. And just by adding that single step of disassociation, they found the incidents of, of cheating, of swindling, all that unethical behavior went up drastically, I think 30% or something like that, just by having that one level of detachment from money. And so I think a lot of the degeneracy outrage is mostly because it's removing that middleman instead of trading in this case, let's say instead of tasks, it's sex. Instead of sex for money, it's sex for tokens. And the tokens are for money. Yeah. Any relationship is a mutual giving exchange. And Will Inc. It's probably the one libertarian wet dream is sex at this point. But you're going to offer something. And that's... And that's the problem when we talk about alpha fucks and beta bucks and why the beta bucks is a, arguably a bad deal. It's just because of that. Like, what are you trading in? The alpha fuck side of things, they have pre-selection. Like other girls would like to sleep with them. He's aesthetic. I mean, I don't have to explain the instinct of finding people attractive. It's just one of those things that speaks for itself as value. Um, emotionally, it's satisfying. All these emotional satisfactions are the payment that the AF side of things does when they want to have sex. The beta buck side is more provision. You know, I'll buy you a car. I'll buy you a new purse. I'll uh, take care of the kids, babysit that. Here's the problem though. And it's not, beta bucks used to be an awesome side of things. When you were substance farmers, the guy who could afford more food, like fat people used to be hot. It's the way it was because those guys knew how to eat and you know you wouldn't starve around a fat guy. You guys are ridiculous in the chat, man. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. Dan is in here. He's talking about people complaining the currency has changed and it's harder to earn than just money given in the change. It's not that it's harder to earn. And that's the worst part. It just takes a uh, a mental shift. I mean, obviously it takes hard work. But I refuse to believe that a guy who wants to work at a job for 40 years is incapable of putting in effort on something that's difficult. It's just, it's, it's completely possible. The only difference now is you put that towards lifting weights and eating right. And it's a status symbol. Most things are about signaling. Like say what you will about the health aspects, the aesthetic aspects. For you to be in shape and thin today, that's no different than showing how you used to be a fat person back in the 1860s. Well, fat people know how to eat. They must be wealthy. If you're thin right now, you're actually in shape. That means you're not poor because like it or not, one of the simplest status indicators of like poverty is obesity. So even if you want to go full beta bucks, you kind of still have to work out and be thin because that kind of shows that you're a good hard earner and good at provisioning and healthy, that sort of stuff. <laughs> be a drug dealer. There's your chick wreck. That's the thing too. It's, it's a really good sexual strategy. The problem is there's not much to it. I mean, in my small town, there was a Hell's Angels presence. My uh, When the mills got closed down, cocaine run rampant through my town right after the uh, NAFTA deals kind of ruined it. 
So all the manufacturing went away, cocaine came in, and there were some ugly guys that were dealers and they were doing really well for themselves. Now, I wouldn't recommend it, but as, a, as far as the strategy goes, I mean, it did work. So I got to give them credit there. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> Oh. All right. I got the heads up from John. He's going to come in in about 20 minutes. So if you guys aren't interested in the body language mastery, so 10 o'clock, we'll jag in the content section and we'll switch over to that. Stick around if you want to. Honestly, it's a great course and I love chatting with John about it. So if I'm not mistaken, I got to ask, I'm pretty sure this is the last quarter it's going to be run. I actually am. I didn't think it was going to be as popular as it was, to be honest. It looked like the kind of thing that seemed, okay, it's kind of basic, I get it, but then just a huge demand for it. So I sometimes take for granted that some of us have like been doing this for so long already that it's a skill that people do still need to learn. So good for them. <laughs> Sexual strategy, be a drug dealer. Yeah, do not, do not deal drugs. Drugs are illegal, okay? <laughs> giving her kids your last name is a payment too. I think Sam whiskey. Thank you for the $2 super chat, man. Yeah. He's got a good point. That's. And I would argue that even women don't want trad. They want a hodgepodge of all the good spots and none of the bad spots. I'm just still baffled that guys are willing to accept these deals because a girl bullies them into it. And I think the name to me, it's a meaningless thing. I don't really care. I mean, I'm common law anyway, so it's not even an issue for me. But for a lot of guys, they walk into this thing like, yeah, I know marriage is bad, but I'm doing it for the kids. I don't know what the hell a ring has to do with raising healthy kids. All you have to do is be there. Plus, considering about half of the guys who have a ring got divorced and are still doing part-time dad, I have a hard time believing that if you're going to be a part-time dad, most likely anyway, why not just uh, be there without the marriage? So at least you can be part-time dad with a few more resources to put towards, I don't know, putting your kids into college or fixing their teeth or something. Oh, Jack, did I miss your super chat? My apologies, brother. But yeah, the last name. So that one's really funny because for a guy signing up for marriage, I don't think there's any benefit. <laughs> oh, you're talking about this one, Jack? You jerk. There's no benefit for guys. It's all benefit for the girls. The girl gets maximum comfort. The girl gets maximum security. She gets the social status signaling that she can show to her girls. Yeah, I got married. Like, the, say what you want. I don't care how bad a feminist the girl is. Um, if she's the last one in her friend group to get married, she's going to be embarrassed about it. She's probably going to be crying at least once or twice in her living room. Um. Not my crayon. You guys are killing me. <laughs> so it's another, again, it's all about signaling. Oh, I got married. Ooh, how's your ring? And if you want to see, dude, if you want to see an awkward thing, I've seen it maybe three times among like my friends with their girlfriends and that. That'll always be a friend of a friend that we kind of know. And they're coming to join us and they'll get engaged. Now, most of the guys that were getting married right after our deployment and that they were buying, I think one carat rings were the standard. Don't quote me on that. It's been a while since I looked into it. And 
you'd see girls just flexing on each other. The girl would just sit there and they would just talk about the ring. Oh, look at that. It's a one carat one. Wow. Oh, well, mine's mine's only 0.8 carats, but it's like uh, extra clarity, like double K or something like that. So as long as somebody had something to flex about, they would uh, all be even keel. It's like the guys. Yeah, well, I got big arms. Yeah, well, my quads are huge. Yeah, well, I got a massive chest. Dude, awesome, bro. <laughs> but then there's always that one girl who got the ring that was like half a carat, normal clarity, like arguably nothing about it makes it stand out amongst the friend circles. And it's funny to watch them like awkwardly minimize it and act embarrassed, which I find hilarious. I'm not sure how to take it because on one side of things, you could take it as the guy wanted to marry them. He should be the prize, not the ring. There's that side and I get it. But there's also the side that if you're going to go through all of that rigmarole and get an engagement ring, like realize she's going to be flexing on her friends. And so if you're going to buy a smaller one, you do embarrass her. I would say it's better off just not to get anything at all if that's the case. Yeah, six months of income, yada, yada. That's just it. Who's the authority that tells you how much income needs to come on a ring? There is no authority. This is just marketing. So much of the trad stuff is marketing. Yeah. yeah, Chesty's got it. Deering the three C's. That's carrot, clarity, and color. When the stone is tiny, is female dick measuring contests. That's true. And that's funny too, because I actually know a deceptively large amount about diamonds. Um, for a while, bigger used to be better. And at some point, when Russian diamond became a thing, Russian diamonds, they were all smaller diamonds. And so they had to do a marketing push. To like, well, all these diamonds are small. How are we going to sell all these? And that's when the three C's kind of came about. Okay, so we can't sell it on just the carrots. So we're going to sell it on clarity or color. And so then that worked well. It's like, oh, perfect. So we got all these big African diamonds. We can sell those and sell it on the size. But then these other ones, oh, they're extra clear or they're extra whatever. It's a very arbitrary thing. Arbitrary standards, objectively measured. And so the whole thing is marketing. And then it got me thinking, oh, geez. Dead man walking at Ikea this morning. Dude, it's dead man walking at Ikea every morning. Oh, fun fact. Did you guys know um, Rusha's site, Return of Kings, is blocked from the Ikea Wi-Fi? <laughs> what? Your last super chat of the year and ever. Jack, what's happening, man? Like, I'm not saying you have to, but I'm just like, you say that as if you're going to go off to battle and die or something like that. Yeah, dude, tell me a story. I want to hear what's up. You all right. Until then, I'm going to rag about Ikea. <laughs> yeah, Ikea is brutal, man. I don't get it. It's a bunch of... And maybe it's just because I'm here in Toronto, but we have a very ethnically segregated set of boroughs. You know, diversity is our strength as long as it's in a different neighborhood. <laughs> um, you walk in there and I could see why we're making such a big immigration push because the Ikea is just full of immigrants buying tons of furniture. Like I don't ever see, let's just say I don't see third generation Canadians in the Ikea. I don't even know why I'm in there. Oh, I know why I was in there because we always like our knives from there. If you guys don't, I love this about my kitchen. It's like I said, obviously I, I care about kitchens, cooking, that sort of thing. 
but it's very weird in that I don't like the Henkel knives or the Japanese blades, these like thousand dollar things. No, I buy like a $10 knife so I can sharpen it in those little ceramic blades. I'll use it for a year until I get a nice divot in it because I've sharpened it too much. And then I'll just go and buy a new one. Oh, pure mail. We don't do the JQ thing here, man. Freaking me out. <laughs> yeah, Russell. So back to the point, Russell's got it just about right. What's bad about trad? They're playing a game based on an outdated set of rules. Which bothers me too, because that's not really selecting for fitness from an evolutionary standpoint. The big advantage that humans have had over just about any other species is that we're adaptable. And if you're still buying into the TradCon fantasy at this point, it's just telling, you're signaling your lack of, uh, your lack of adaptability. Like say what you want right now. We have soft harems with plausible deniability, but they're kind of like communal ones. So there's going to be the same I'm just throwing out numbers out of my ass here. It doesn't really matter if it's true. You're going to have the same 100 chicks on Tinder that are sleeping with the same 20 guys there. And they're all sleeping with the same people. Everybody's sleeping around with each other. And then you got the 80 guys that are on Tinder getting absolutely nothing out of it. And that's just the way it is until people want to settle down. Problem is, there's only 20 of those guys. I was one of those guys. My brother was one of those guys. And here's the thing. He slutted around... 20s 30s i think he's in his late 30s now met a good girl as far as i can tell settling down didn't seem to have any problems with it he wasn't damaged there was no hole in his heart or any of that junk you hear about uh revenge fantasies no he just did it then he was done with it and then he took one of his girls and he settled down with her it's great they're doing well buying a house together And oh, thanks, Jack. I got to watch the chat a little bit stronger, man. <laughs> okay, so I see what Jack was talking about now when he says my last uh, super chat ever or whatever. That's the end of his holidays gifts after us hyper hyper gamizing us last night. Yeah, it's. Okay, so if you guys haven't been here, so last night's show we did with Rye, with Rolo and Rich and me, it was kind of impromptu. It was really hard to get everybody together during a holiday season for something. So we really only had like an hour and a half, two hour window that we could work with. And I'm like, oh, it's right during the Patreon. So I made a decision. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. We'll put this thing together. I'll just tag on the Patreon right after and just go for a four, full four hours. I did feel bad about it, but I'm like, I'm going to keep putting out content to these guys and hopefully they'll be okay with it because I do like prioritizing the Patreon guys. If it was any, if it was anybody else, I would have said no, but you know, I always got time for Rolo and Rich and them. <laughs> See Bayberg, he's catching on. If you guys reading this thing here, he's uh, quoting fight club and say what you will about the book or the movie. It was really smart. Like I could tell that Palinchuk didn't just invent all this stuff in his head. You can tell he was kind of talking to people and seeing how things are going. When you see that, and he, I think this is part of why the trad thing is so uh, seductive. You were seeing the narrator and he had kind of his exaggerated example of he had the perfect 
hand blown. Like he was talking about all these authenticity markers. Oh, these plates are hand blown. So they're, you can tell that they're handcrafted by the indigenous peoples of wherever. And I thought that line was clever because he was talking about that where he's like, oh yeah, authenticity and handcrafted stuff is very important, but he couldn't even be bothered to care. He just liked the, he just liked the status signal on it. My closet was perfect. My sofa thing is handled. And I noticed a lot of trad guys kind of live their lives like that, or they do, they want to, where they think life is a series of one-off problems to solve. Like wife is a problem. And then once it's solved, it's done. Or uh, your career is a one-off problem. Once it's solved, once it's done. Having kids is a one-off problem, then it's done. That part actually bugs me. I, I don't go off much on social media other than to be flippant or crack some jokes. But the one thing that really bothers me is, and this is my least favorite part about the trad fantasy, is it's narcissistic fuel is basically children. I mean, there was a guy on there. <laughs> there was a guy on there and he's exactly what you think of when you think of Tradcon LARPer. Like he had the masculine beard, but he didn't lift. And uh, he just looks like somebody's youth pastor that you just know is probably diddling kids or whatever. But I'm not going to name names. I'm just cracking jokes here. Um, so he talks about my goal is to go move off the grid and create a tribe in the woods and build my own house. And then my children will build their own house right next door to me. And we'll, he's talking as if he's Abraham cutting a sheep in half and then taking his flock through it. Here's my problem with this. Those children now are no longer people. Like children are people. I don't know if you guys know this. They're annoying people. They talk too much. They're too wiry. Missing teeth, but they're people. So when you start building a life for children without their input in it, what you're doing is you're using them as set pieces for your own fantasy. Trads are huge on that. They do that with wives. They do that with children. And I don't like it because mentally it's not healthy. Say what you will. When I talk about and I talk about it a lot, healthy and unhealthy levels of narcissism. That's unhealthy levels of narcissism. Just because it sounds good and it has a nice, fancy, shiny wrapper on it doesn't make it any better. Because here's what happens. When those kids aren't living up to dad's fantasy, dad gets mad. He doesn't even get mad. It's actually a term for it. It's called narcissistic rage. And it's different from anger in that anger is a social emotion. I use this reference all the time. Guys probably know it. Chesty sums it up better than me, but I got airtime to fill, so I'm going to do the long. I'm taking the scenic route. <laughs> um, anger is social. If I drop something on my toe, it hurts, but I'm not angry. I may yell, I may cuss, but I'm not angry. But if somebody else purposefully drops it on my toe, well, then I'm angry. Because... Anger has that con that component where somebody else is grieving you. You're doing that just to bother me, and that's why I'm angry. So it's a social signal. You're telling the world, I don't like this. It's not on. And being a man, I'm angry, and here's my visceral reaction against it. Girls do anger too, but it manifests slightly differently. What you're saying is, I'm going to get violent if you don't stop messing with me right now. And that's the purpose of anger at a fundamental level. Rage is an ego defense mechanism. And this is why it's impossible to argue against the trad types other than just for jokes. 
So right now, my kids have no agency. They're going to build a house beside mine because that's what they do. My wife is going to be loyal to me no matter what happens. Unconditional love, just like a sweet puppy. The wife has her own hopes and dreams. And sometimes they don't involve her schlub of a husband. The kids have their own hopes and dreams. And a lot of times, they really don't care what dad has to say. They don't like dad even. Once a kid turns 13, he hates dad anyway. <laughs> Conk, that's wonderful, man. Dad and son eternally camping together is the same as mom demanding the perfect Christmas card or fish Christmas photo for her card. Damn straight. Um, so back to it. So these people have their own wishes, their own desires. And let's say they act to the point where that narrative or that narcissistic fantasy isn't real. You can argue that dad's a dick and that's fine. As long as you guys are doing the script. But if the kids are like, yeah, I'm not moving to that house. That's ridiculous. I'm not going out there. Or the wife's like, flips the switch. It's a red-pilled concept called uh, flicking the light switch or rewriting the narrative. The idea is once a girl is done with a relationship, she can't just leave. She has to, has to rewire it in her head as if it never happened. You were always a dick. Something has to be wrong with you. She has to be the victim. You have to be the good person. And that's where you're going to get the incentives for like domestic violence charges, false ones. I should specify that. I don't want to make people think that real DV charges are evil. They're kind of they're kind of there for a reason, but um. And then back to this one, yeah. So they're not. I mean, there's always themes on it. The big key point to it, though, is that it's narcissistic fantasy. It's secret king with an air of nobility to it, and that's what makes it worse. Because the guy who's just spurging out about being the president of the manosphere—that's one thing. That's his own delusion. Nobody kind of buys into it. But the trad one has enough people where it has that certain legitimacy to it because you got a group of guys that are feeding the, nar the narcissism for you. Uh, so the difference with narcissistic rage then is when people go against this narrative. Once they go against the narrative, you have two choices. You can either adjust your narrative to fit the reality or you can have a flip out moment. Complete temper tantrum. It's not like anger where you're signaling that people better get in the line and stop grieving you. It's your brain is actively fighting its neuroplasticity and realizing, oh, okay, so my wife doesn't love me anymore. Uh, the kids don't want to move out in the woods with me. Well, it is what it is. We move on. But you can't do that. You basically have to spurg out until things go back to normal. They never do. And for the most part, I think that's the best way to describe what Rolo calls zeroing, being zeroed out. Guys have a narcissistic fantasy about their relationships, about their families, about their lives. And when life decides they don't agree with that fantasy, then the guy has these emotional freakouts. Now, ego defense goes, sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's just bitching out your ex-wife at three in the morning, giving her ammunition for the divorce. Sometimes it's a guy putting a gun in his mouth. And that's absolutely horrible. I don't recommend it. I think, who was it? One of the guys, it might've been, TJ, but, um, he was talking about how one of his wife's friends, ex-husband actually killed himself in her house just to like teach her a lesson. Like, this is what you did to me. And the worst part, she didn't really care. She was just annoyed that the carpets got messed. So that kind of lets you know, it's not anger. It's a narcissistic fantasy. Anger would have been him going in there, waving a thing around and threatening everybody. So it's a different thing we got working here. 
And that's the reason I kind of get miffed when they start doing this stuff because they're really messing up their kids. Like these trad kids, I would say my mom's generation got sold on that by my grandparents who actually were trad in every sense of the word. Like they were farmers, preachers, all that stuff. Yeah, women don't care. All right, John's going to be here in a few minutes, so. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm preaching to the choir here. I don't picture many of you guys going on the trad thing, but it's good to have some insight as to why we like making these flippant comments, what's wrong with it, and what would be a better way. And I hate to say it, but I mean, if you can't beat them, join them. The saying is enjoy the decline, but there's no real decline. We're, we're in a golden age, essentially. Sex is cheap and easy. Uh, enforcement of law basically is non-existent for the most part. People can get away with all kinds of things. We have so much abundance in our life that none of these safeguards we used to have matter anymore. And so that gives you an unrestricted level of freedom that's unheard of throughout human history. Like you have to actively try to die nowadays. I had a post on this one. It's a plea for irrational confidence. I got to rewrite that one because it's a much better writer now. But it was this guy, Captain Sparkles or something. It's an old YouTube video where he was putting a ladder up and then getting on it. He was going to dive into his pool, but the ladder broke and then he fell, cracked his head off the cement on the floor, <laughs> banged it off the fence. And the video was hilarious. Not because he just injures himself off like a 12 foot fall onto cement, but it's because it was like an old video camera. He had to go turn it off, but he didn't move. And it's like that family guy thing where he's, ah. <laughs> and at first he's, at first it's kind of funny, but then it goes away and then you're hurt, worried for the guy. But then after like a couple minutes, he's still not moving and then it becomes funny again. And then you're really worried about the guy and you keep going back and forth between it being hilarious and horrific. But he, and here's the point of the story is he lived. Like he actively tried to kill himself and medical science is so good that he lived. You can survive bullets, knife wounds, anything, anything. You can eat the stupidest poison. Like it's so, they're so good at it. You can't even commit suicide because they'll bring you back. <laughs> I'm not trying to do ASMR. I'm just trying to make sure you got good audio quality. Remember, we're doing this for the Patreon group. If you guys haven't, please check out the podcast on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Google Play, blah, 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 blah. Just about any platform on there. I put these on there so you guys can listen to them when you're working out. Um, I'll do this one here. When John gets here, he gets here. Yeah, he's here. So I'll finish this question, then we're going to switch over. All right, John, just wait just one minute. Isn't red pill a strategy for coping with female narcissism? First off, coping, no. Coping is the stupidest thing ever. Learning to deal with things the way they are. I don't like that at all. And the problem with this is it's female-centric. This is the frame, well, how do I react to women? And that's not it at all. This is It's a male framing. How do I get more sex and generally a more fulfilled life? And that's it. It's not saying, what do I want to do with this? Damn, Gato. It's just strategy, but it's for you. It's not for them. All right, John. All right. Hey, boss. How you doing? Hey, good, buddy. All right. Uh, so now we're going to be talking about body language mastery. Thanks, guys, for listening to me rag on the trads for an hour. Now let's get on about what it means when you 
wine glass, which I've got to admit, it's a it's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. How you doing, man? I'm just waking up here. It's 8 a.m. I'm in Mountain Standard Time, so I literally just rolled out of bed. But, uh, <laughs> That's fine. Eight o'clock things. Yeah, so, yeah. What's it like over there down in are you in Cheyenne? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's it's crazy over here. Like I when I live in when I'm in Tokyo, yeah, like um it's so hard for me to go to sleep past like 2 a.m. Like I just, I've just, I'm just wired and stay wide awake until 2 a.m. No matter what. But here, like I fight to stay awake at like 10:30, and like this sleep just comes over me. <laughs> and, and then I wake up at like I woke up no alarm clock this morning at like 7:30, just wide awake. So because of the lights, isn't it? There's no lights down in Wyoming, so you kind of have to follow the cycle. Yeah, it's, the sun goes down at like uh, like 4:45, 5 5 o'clock, and then so. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it's weird, man. Like that, like this, this sleep comes over me because it gets dark early in Tokyo too. But mm -hmm. I don't know. So I something about the city, man, that I just think is not, not natural for humans. Like you're kind of going off on a different tangent there, but I just feel like, uh, I don't know. I feel more natural here. Like I feel like, like you know, I just feel more in touch with like my human nature, if you will. So it's pretty. It's been pretty good. I think you're the kids. Go, you're going full shaman on us. You're gonna do peyote <laughs> in the woods. Never. I'm never going to be one of those deceptive losers. <laughs> we got to put a crystal up your ass and then like put do the, the thing so the sunlight shines on it, charges you up, all your chakras get, get aligned or something, right? Oh, yeah. The <laughs> sun tanning your asshole thing. God, that was... I actually screenshotted that where was it AJ who put it like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm like, oh, that's not going to age well. <laughs> oh, man. These I don't know are... what. Why? Why? Let's say even if it was good, how bad is your life to the point where you have to put some sun on the brown star to actually get something out of it? I'm it, like, there's so much better low-hanging fruit. Like, start eating some vegetables first. We'll get to the sun tanning afterwards. Yeah, you know, I, I was watching uh, yesterday was my nephew's um, uh, birthday. He just turned seven. And so we celebrated by watching um, Spider-Man Far From Home. And at the end of the movie, when they... Um, is it any when, good, by the way? Yes, it's really good. It's actually very, very good. I'm a very hard critic, but at the end, I'll, I won't spoil anything, but at the end, one of the, the villains says, like, you know, in today's day and age, people will believe anything. And I'm just like, God, that's so true. It's so true. Like, if you just put something on the internet or, like, put on some, like, little, just, like, uh, put like let's say put your bleach in your asshole, and then you just put, like, some <laughs> cool, like, graphics on it and then put, like, you know, by, I don't know, Tony Robbins or something, people will go out there and do it. Like people are that impressionable. And uh, yeah, man, it's just, it was just funny just to, 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 just to see like, you know, obviously the little red pilling kind of sneaking into Marvel and Disney, you, you know, it's just, it cracks me up too. Cause like, you know, I obviously I'm off of Twitter now mm -hmm. and I, I just peek in once in a while just to like see what's going on. And I just, I look at it and I just thank God. I'm like, thank God. I'm just not even part of this anymore. Cause like, seeing all these little spats and, and these little, you know, quite, quite honestly, just a waste of uh waste of time that some other people. Dude, are, it's Jerry Springer, man. <laughs> I know it, it, it cracks me up. It truly cracks me up. So I just, I just blessed to have a fully functioning brain. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm with you. Honestly, like you've seen it now, I think I've switched it to, I only follow about 10 people. Oh really? I That's don't even follow like Rolo and Rich. I'm like, dude, I got their number. I can just call them if I want to see what's up. I don't need to follow them on Twitter. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I follow like those random accounts, like uh, the guy who wrote Neuromancer, William Gibson. Like I follow him. Guys that I would never normally interact with, but I'm really interested in. 
-hmm. and that's it. And they don't really tweet on much. But then that's the problem is you guys, I'm talking to you, the audience now, you guys are brutal. You keep DMing me like, dude, have you seen this with a screenshot of like some ridiculousness? And it sucks me in because it's like you can't offer an ex-crackhead crack and expect him not to take crack. And so I look at the crack and I'm like, damn it. Now I've got to say some stupid stuff. Especially if you got a couple of drinks and you're like, all right, I'm feeling, I'm feeling witty here. I'm going to say something. Yeah. Oh, dude, I need to drink more. Cause that's the thing. Christmas. I saw a lot of people were having goofy fights over absolutely nothing and ignoring their families. Meanwhile, really? I'm just like quoting Die Hard. <laughs> that's all I did was basically watch all the John McTiernan like action movies for Christmas. Oh, get drunk. Okay. And then it's like, yeah, love the like 80s movies they had the beretta and then the 90s they had the glock for the pistol and i like the beretta years better it just looked like a nicer pistol to me i love the beretta that's one of my favorite guns this is one of the finest italian guns they've ever made yeah it just looks slick you ever shoot a benelli the shotgun the italian shotgun i haven't honestly i've only um c7s and c8s which is like an m4 and m16 Mm -hmm. uh sig sour 220 and uh browning 50 caliber the only things i've ever really shot Oh wow! How was the kickback on the fifty cal? <laughs> it was it was hard mounted to the to the deck of a ship. So were you shooting <laughs> at pirates? <laughs> I would have loved to shoot at pirates, but pirates never show up for some reason. They can see this giant gray steely death machine coming, and they just go away. <laughs> Who'd have oh, thunk? Man. It's like a traffic road stop, except for you can see the lights from so far away. You're just like, yeah, I'll just take a left here. No, yeah, no, no need, no need. I've I've shot a good a good assortment of guns, but my fa- the the gun that I'm probably the best shot with is a 45 caliber uh, 1911. Well, that's and, like the classic America gun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, if you shoot somebody with a 45 caliber round, they're not getting up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're just not getting up. The only thing is, I wish that magazine was a little bit longer because I think it's like it's six in the uh, six in the magazine and then one in the chamber. But I think you can get an extended mag. But but isn't that the thing though? It's uh, they're just in a single line. They're not staggered because it gives better reliability. Uh, I think so. Yeah, that's like the old school way. It was just yeah. like the that's how they're made back then. They're they're definitely not staggered at all. It's just really a straight line down. Yeah, I'm I'm not good at this. I actually had a, a watch supervisor, like my head of department, huge gun nut. And he's the one who's taught me most everything I know about guns. By the way, you would love him. He's he's Canadian, but he owns like an armament at the point where the zombies start coming. You go to him. Oh, his wow. wife actually forbade him from shooting in the house anymore because oh, he used to like sit on his sofa and take his shotgun, open up the patio door and just fire <laughs> out to scare off deer. What a good man. <laughs> but then every time he did that, the dog would freak out. And at one point, the dog ran where his wife was in the shower took her out <laughs> oh no <laughs> in the shower so she got out naked bloody nose freaking out it's like oh no, no. More shooting in the house i was like that's awesome <laughs> yeah that that's that's that i think that's a reasonable request from her <laughs> <laughs> i just feel i feel sorry for the dog because dogs have such hyper hearing you know yeah yeah well he's fine now but that's awesome he left the military he's up north right now working for the uh can't if it was a diamond mine or oil rigs he's doing like the it work for them Okay. So that's, he's like, this is the perfect retirement for me. All I do is I hunt and then, you know, use my phone, his old Nokia phone. He just like connects to the servers and does whatever maintenance he has to do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's, you want to talk about off the grid? That guy's off the grid. That's uh, that's the John Connor lifestyle right there. Mm-hmm. All right. So the body language mastery, is this one the last time you're putting it out or? So, so yeah, this is the last time that it would be, Cause you know, I mean, you know, I, I put in hours when I help these guys out 
So the body language, this is the last time I will ever do something like this because it includes the brand new body language course, which is a head to toe breakdown of female body language to let you know if she's sexually interested in you or not. Mm-hmm. And then it includes three weeks of daily webinars that you can attend and ask questions to guys like me, guys like obviously yourself, Rolo, Rich, yeah, fitness experts, financial experts, uh, guys who are dating well on who's doing well on Tinder, who's doing well on Bumble, who's doing well on Seeking Arrangement, everything like that. All the Hinge, all the new dating apps, everything. And it's three weeks of that education. You get to come in twice, the two hours in the morning, two hours a night, and then. Um, in addition to that, you get access to all the recorded videos we did for quarter two, which is 40 hours of training that we've edited. Oh, that's down. right. I forgot you recorded a bunch of those too. Yeah. Quarter two and quarter three. So we have of uh, those as well. So you'll get over 80 hours of video training to watch. Plus you get to participate in the 80 hours of uh, body language mastery webinars that we're going to do. Then we're going to just talk about, you know, we'll talk about uh, just, uh, body language. We talk about, you know, how to be a man, how to make more money, how to balance your calories, your proper All the protein stuff that's peripheral to the body language. Okay. Now I see the IOI. What do I do with that? Yeah. That's what I liked about it, honestly, because I know I've seen a lot of guys doing courses and most of them are just fire and forget. You talk in front of your webcam for an hour, whatever. And then, but you, I mean, first off you did like, obviously I do the camera thing here. So I like when you show enough respect to the consumer to put some production value into it. That part was cool. Thank you. But then the first season you did, or first quarter you did it, I noticed then you were doing four hours of webinars a day for like three weeks. I'm going at that point, you've like turned just running that course into a full-time job. So, and I think you both know that, what's it, 12% of people actually, when you when they buy courses, they actually take them or some yeah. insanely low number like that. Yeah. <laughs> but you're kind of, you're kind of forcing people to actually show up. You're like, yeah, <laughs> get up. Class starts in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> And, and just in case, them. even if you didn't want to show up for class, well, Rolo's coming in. Maybe you should stop by at least to say hi. And then heaven forbid, learn what you're paying here to learn. Yeah, exactly. It's like and, you're uh, almost forcing guys to do what they need to do. <laughs> I mean, and at the end of the day, that this is what they need because I have guys, you know, it just blows my mind sometimes. I had a guy who, who bought the quarter one, right? Because the price was $297 in quarter one. I told everybody, I said, this is a strategy. I said, guys, it's going to be $297 in quarter one. Quarter two, $397. Quarter three, four ninety seven. I said quarter four, it's five ninety seven, and then twenty twenty. This is gone. So I've had guys who had gotten in in quarter one, and they ha- they were allowed to attend the webinars for quarter one, two, three, and four. And these guys haven't attended a single webinar, and they only watched half of the course. And then they book a consultation with me later. They're like, "Hey, why am I not having a good sex life? What's going on?" I'm like, "Because." <laughs> you're not following through on anything, dude. You're not following through on anything. You're not taking action. Like, what do you expect is going to happen? That's a key. Dude, that comment as as F. I'm not trying not to swear here. Keep the monetization going. Mm. Um, Yeah, for Married Red Pill, there was a lot of guys that came in with like random questions and then they wouldn't do anything. And they'd come back saying, hey, I didn't do what you suggested. And what happened is what you said happened. What do I do now? And the guys are like, I'm not wasting my time. You didn't do it the first time. So it actually got so bad, they had to create like a second subreddit just to take the garbage fire elsewhere so people could do work. Huh. It's like such a common thing for the male condition just to hear what they want to hear but not do what they have to do. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a testosterone thing. I don't know if it's a sleep thing. I don't know if it's a like what needs to change for guys to start 
doing 100% compliance, but it's just there and it's not going away. That's why it makes it easier for guys like me. It's just because they quite honestly, I mean, they don't do the work. And honestly, the work is not that hard to do. And I mean, no, you just got to be consistent. Yeah. You just got to be consistent and then have a mentor and, you know, refine your strategy as you gain more knowledge about the situation at hand. And the only ways you're going to gain knowledge is by getting out there and taking action, not sitting home, reading the rational mail 60 times, signing up for your Patreon, signing up for Rolo's Patreon, Rich's Patreon, you know, enrolling well, in that course. That's what I did with you. I took a, I took a, a page from your book. Mm-hmm. So for one of the rewards I get for Patreon guys, it's like, all right, you post your things you've actually done. And then we break them down together like a field report. Mm-hmm. And so guys can't really engage unless they've done something. So it really caters to that, which is nice. So I got to thank you for that one. Anyway, you gave me the idea for it and it works out well. Oh, uh, well, thank you too. And you're welcome. I mean, I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, I'm just trying to help these guys out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Uh, That's the whole thing, right? If we're not here to help guys out, then there's much better ways to make money that don't involve the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go about your life running some digital organization or something and, and blatantly lie to your audience or manipulate them and, and just try to, uh, you know, pull one over on people. I mean, you can't do that anymore in 2019. And that's why my course has been so successful because I've been nothing but transparent and like helping these guys out from day one. I have never, ever, ever, ever done any of them wrong. And these guys, they're in the chat right now. I don't even, I don't even ask these guys to, to sing my body language praises, but they, I mean, they're, I see some of my guys in your chat right now and they're just, they're, they're ranting and raving about it because these are guys that not only, they're not like this buy my course and happy, like they bought my course, they've gotten better uh, results with women and they've gotten better jobs. They've gotten better uh, fitness you know, outcomes, better oh, fashion. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember, buddy, um, the last time I was down there, he was moving down to, I think it was Vancouver. Is mm-hmm. he the one he's talking about who's hooked up? Got that better job? Uh, there, There's a couple guys that I've hooked up with like a, a, a lot better jobs. Nice. I was thinking one specific because he was asking me about uh, Vancouver housing prices and that. I don't um, want to name him on the thing here because I hate name dropping people in public. Maybe they want the discretion, but. Well, I'm assuming he's one of them, though, because, yeah, he was worried about the move because of the way housing prices were in the market. At least, thank God, uh, he didn't end up moving to, like, North Surrey with the with the toothless yokels. He actually moved yeah, to a nicer part of town. I remember he asked you specifically. I remember he asked, he asked you about the question about moving, yeah? Yeah, well, that's because when it comes to property bubbles in Canada, I've lived in all of them, which really sucks. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I move into a place when the bubble's at its peak, and then I have to move out when the, the bubble bursts. <laughs> So uh, I uh, for this quarter four, I refilmed and redid the entire course. So if I'll share my screen, if uh, if you're okay with that, I, I could show people the, the course lineup here. Okay. <clears throat> Let's max this one out. There you go. Okay. Look at that all organized. Okay. By the way, I I know I keep saying this, but. Like I've been a teacher, taught at fleet school for a few years. It's nice to see that you've put together like a decent teaching plan. You can definitely tell that you've taught before and you have experience and some training. Yeah. Also I mean, rare I, in the in the electronic course space. <laughs> Guys right. actually know how to teach. 
Yeah, I've taught every, I've taught from, um, I've taught, you know, preschool, I've taught elementary school as a professor, as, as a teacher in elementary school, I've taught in a middle school, I've taught in a high school, I've taught at Ivy League levels in Japan as well at Osaka What's University. What's your favorite? Oh, come on. It's, it's I taught, it's definitely college level because the girls worship you and you get paid. <laughs> <laughs> You get paid, the girls worship you, and they like make advances on you, and you're just like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. Yeah, uh, it's definitely. See, I like them older. I like teaching people that are over thirty. The yeah, twenty year old. I mean, there's just too much uh, spurg hurting for my well, liking. So I was teaching at Ivy League. So these kids are like the st- the elite intelligent of the most intelligent in uh-huh. uh, in Japan. Like these kids are super geniuses blows my mind how smart they are because they speak like almost fluent english and they're japanese and they have almost a non-existent accent it was really terrifying to an extent polyglots that's cool it was great so here's here's the curriculum so this is actually quarter this is the first uh body language mastery right so i initially had some introduction things i cut out the introductions and i just got straight to it in the second one so Module one is the head. We have one, two, three, four, five, six. And then module two is the torso and the arms. We have one, two, three. And then module three is the head. One, two, three, four. Or excuse me, the hands. One, two, three, four. And then the legs. One, two, three, four. Right? So that's the the previous course, right? And this is the one that we had done for quarter two, quarter one, quarter two, and quarter three. Right. Now, take a look here. This is the new course. So this is module one. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay. okay. So four sections. One to eleven. We have one, yeah, eleven on module one, the head. And then module two, the torso and arms is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven again. And then uh the hands is one, two, three, and then the legs is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then also as a bonus, I am uh I am. Oh, did I, did I, uh, did I close down my screen? Oops. Yeah. yeah. Just open it again. It's fine. My bad. Put it on there. I don't know why I did that. Okay. Absolute jerk. I know. I was, if I, I can't that. trust you to share a screen, how can I trust you to teach? <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Let me click like on your video here. Hey, side two <clears> thing <throat> on this. I like how, so you obviously have a Japanese girl for the videos and this thing. I yeah. do like it. Cause there's something about the, Japanese culture that they use the eyes more expressively than Western people do. Yeah. So the part that I like about it is it kind of exaggerates certain things that we wouldn't think to look for here in the West in Canada mm-hmm. and that it's just something I noticed from when I was in Japan too. Yeah. And, so it's uh, nice that you're almost like, uh, it's almost like, all right, we're going to, we're going to ham it up a little bit, but that's just naturally the way the culture works. I don't know why it just seemed like a cool thing to mention to me. Uh, what do you mean? Like the, what do you mean exactly? Just expressions. Um, mm-hmm. I found with a lot of Southeast Asian cultures like Korea, Japan, China, they tended to be more expressive in the eyes mm-hmm. and less with the mouth than in like Canada or the States where it's kind of the reverse, mm. which I don't think that's a good thing. Being more mouth expressive kind of means bitchy, but whatever. But it's yeah. nice because then you could actually pay attention to the details, the eye details, because they're made into a focal point. The girls are just far more feminine with their overall facial gestures. And yeah, their eyes get big when they like see something, you yeah. know, they're, they're like, they're just more cute. They're just like, just more feminine. Like that's the one thing that's missing from Western girls is like, there's a lack of femininity and they have it here. And this, this model is absolutely stunning. I could play a clip if you want, but again, uh, this is the module on the head. So this one has 11 here and then the torso on the arms has 11 and then the, the hands has three. 
and the legs has one, two, three, four, eight. So, um, yeah, I, I really like I like this one a lot. Let me see if I can play one. Um, I have, I have yeah, to, let's try it out. I remember last time we did it, kind of got a little bit choppy, but I'd be kind of curious to see if it can play better. I got hit. has been upgrading like a mother, which is awesome. Yeah, they've been working hard on the upgrades. Let's see. Okay, I'm gonna hit. I hit share audio now, so it should work. Uh, which one do you want to see, Ryan? You want to see from the head, the torso, and the arms, the hands, the legs? Well, you know what? I'm uh, I'm a breast man, so okay. <laughs> let's, let's go with torso. Okay. <laughs> I got the perfect one for breast. Let's see. When they wink, you're in there. Right? Now, let me see. Um, oh, actually, you know what? This is a pretty good one here. Hopefully, this plays well. Oh, look at that. Let me know in the chat if it looks clear to you guys. Because to me, it actually looks pretty good. The sexual hug versus the non-sexual hug. This is the <laughs> fastest way... In to know if a woman will have sex with you. Now, right here, Jacob is receiving the non-sexual hug. It is quick. There is a space between her belt line and his. The hug is rather, to an extent, dismissive, but she's not embracing. She's not enjoying it too much. She's not really giving him any positive sexual signs. Now, in comparison to this, when a woman is extremely sexually interested in you, she will give you a hug like this. She will push her breast up against you, and more importantly, she will push her crotch flush against yours. She'll also look up at you with kind of an adoration if you're taller than her. But the most important thing to take away from this is the crotch to crotch contact this is the most important thing i must stress it if at the end of the night you're getting a hug like this you should know that this woman is sexually interested in you and she is signaling it with her body language it is up to you to decide whether you want to escalate this situation to the next level sexually this is so important and I stress it because it is probably the most important indicator in this entire course. The crotch to crotch hug usually indicates that she is ready to have sex. There Good go. job, StreamYard. That was crystal clear looking on here, man. Yeah. Audience said it looked great on theirs too. Yeah, so that's just one of the many things that guys don't know. I have like tons of uh guys you know just booking and watching and then shooting me messages like oh my god i can't believe i missed out on all these signs and that's like a that's a good that's a go-to right there once i know a girl hugs me and she pushes her breast into me but more importantly like the crotch to crotch touching that right there is like all right i'm in i'm in there like swimwear like this is it's going down 100 mm -hmm. but a lot of guys they just don't know how to pick up on these signs and they don't know how to just you know you know how i date is about it's Two things. I use body language. I use verbal seduction and I use profiling. Like I profile the girls as soon as I meet her. I'm like, okay, her nails are kind of tatted up. You know, she's wearing this kind of clothing. Like this girl's got issues. She's, she'll fuck me on the first date. Like tattoos, you know. colored hair. I hate dad on her t shirt. Perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that. Honestly, my favorite part about those is not for me, it's not even the crotch to crotch part. Mm -hmm. It's when they nestle their head into your chest. Like you said mm -hmm. about looking up as the adoration, but it's always that part before. That's my favorite part. Mm -hmm. When they snuggle you right here, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I like that one. Yeah, just get right in there. Oh, yeah. 
Um, Plus, I'm, it's crazy, man. Her hair, not only hair long, but it's still, like, it's obviously natural. It was just weird to see how, like, freely it flowed because it's never been chemically dyed or anything. You don't see that a lot anymore. Uh, what, just normal hair? Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, in Japan, you probably do. I'm assuming there's not a lot of blondes. and. Well, th- what they do is a lot of the girls here, they dye their hair like um, a light brown. That's like the, that's the equivalent of growing, going blonde in um, in the United States. They do brown mm. hair. Yeah, I'm used to – see, I was from the desert in Canada, like the North Thompson area. And it's kind of the equivalent of Phoenix or mm-hmm. like Arizona. And every girl there, bleach blonde to the point – bleach blonde and overly tanned. So when you see a 40-year-old girl, it's always like stringy straw hair and oh. like saddlebag leather skin. <laughs> oh, God. But when I've... she's 23 to 26, it's hot. <laughs> yeah, it's uh... – get them while they're young get them while they're young <laughs> mm-hmm. actually um, drew has a good point here too on this one for the course having mm-hmm. one geared towards people in sales positions yeah i mean I, I could do that i just i don't care about teaching sales or anything I, I just care about helping guys out like i i it really it's like it's my passion to help men out because you know similar to you i think you grew up without a dad right and i did like i did grow up without well, I had a, dad. a stepdad but he sort of yeah yeah not really okay well i, I grew up with <laughs> the no only male. blog post on him is when i fought him <laughs> so yeah it's <laughs> funny. I, I fought uh, my, my 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 mom remarried and, and I was like 25 and my stepdad came over and tried to fight me. I, <laughs> I, I whooped his ass. It was hilarious. And then, he, and then my mom had to bail him out. Uh, it was funny. All those grads talking about rites of passage. Well, there's your pass. There's your rite of passage. Fight your old man. <laughs> you know, so he um, well, look, well, going back to the, the, the course here, the reason I'm doing all this stuff is because, you know, I grew up without a dad. I had to figure out this masculinity stuff on my own and, you know, I had to like teach myself how to shave. I had to like do all these things, teach myself how to tie a tie. And it was so hard for me to find proper masculine guidance because, you know, that I also, I fell into the trap of thinking P-Way was real, uh, RSD, all that crap. And I read about it and I was like, these guys are just a bunch of dorks. That's all. Like, <laughs> they're a bunch of dorks with like uh, internet marketing skills. That's all it is. That's really what it boils down to. Which is annoying because they should have known better. If I remember, it doesn't, RSD Tyler, he came from like the mystery camp, so he should know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what bothers me about it. Yeah. So, I mean, he, um, he, I mean, there's just so much bad information out there. And then that's why, like, I'm doing it the hard way. Like, I'm, I'm getting in there doing three weeks at a time with these guys. But these are lifetime loyalty guys. Um, Hacker Boy wants a link for the course if you want to throw your link up there. Um, oh. Click on that link and you guys will support Ryan and his stream that go through that link specifically. Um, but yeah, like, you know, there's just so much bad information out there for guys. And like I said, the guys that come and, and learn from me, um, you know, there's no, there's no ands, ifs or buts about it. If you do what I say, you will get better. And I mean, if, if you guys enjoyed that one little fraction of the course right there, I'm at, I'm actually in the process of editing a whole other section. I have a whole other section on male body language as well. Which Ooh, is like AMOG protection stuff. Yeah, like how to just how to like not slouch, how to not be a dork, how to give a proper handshake. Um, I have like one little thing like um, that I called like the defensive shell is like when you feel like a man might be getting confrontational with you, how to frame up your body language to either push him to to get the distance and step away because a lot of guys say like, oh, ho, ho, I don't need to know how to fight. What are you, Alpha? What are you, a caveman, bro? But yeah, I, I tell you what. You don't I don't need to know how to fight. You need to make it look like 
you're not will you're not going to back down from a fight, which is the greatest deterrent I find. Yeah, at the end of the day, though, you should definitely know how to fight as a man. I believe. I, I just think you're just a victim if you don't have any kind of fisticuffs training behind you. Did they train in the Canadian Army? Did they, or excuse me, the Canadian <laughs> Navy? Did they? Did they give you any like specific hand-to-hand -hand combat training or anything? No, like that? the boarding party got a little bit of bit of that. But for me, it was because in college I got my black belt in Taekwondo, and oh, then wow, when I was okay. in the military, I was bored, so I went and joined. Uh, you know Sarah Kaufman? Yes, she's yeah, a UFC MMA fighter. fighter. Yeah. yeah, so I trained at her gym there for a while too with MMA and uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So yeah, outside of the military, but it's like they don't teach you to swim either because I mean, where are you going to swim to? How if long they, did you? How long did you go to those lessons for? Um, the Taekwondo was about four years and mm -hmm. the MMA was about two. Oh, so you're solid. You're set. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know what needs. I'm doing. I yeah, don't signal it because I don't want to start a fight, but I still got my old medals, like city championships and stuff like that sitting in my drawer along with like my Navy medals. <laughs> oh, really? You got some Taekwondo winning wins? Yeah. yeah. Taekwondo oh, most cool. part. MMA wasn't very good. Cause I, I mean, the guys that were training there were amazing obviously sarah was a world champion so i'm clearly not <laughs> i'm no i wasn't at their level but Dude, you don't need hard. to be that's the thing with fighting once you see guys doing that posturing thing for the most part if you just give them an out they'll take it because they yeah. don't want to fight either because there's always that chance they can get their ass kicked yeah oh yeah but then just looking like you're not a soft target they'll go pick on somebody who's a softer target i think once you learn how to fight too um I think fight you less. Just, you, yes, you fight less. And I think subconsciously you kind of give off something that people are just like, ah, I don't, I shouldn't fuck with this guy. Speaking of body language, you're right. Um, David Dutton, he had a brief section in his wisdom, of psychopaths where he talked about that, where every psychopath, they were giving him videos of kind of like your thing, videos of people walking down the street. And then they asked the psychopath, if you had to rob somebody or mug somebody, which one would you pick? And they all picked the same people because they could just read the weakness from their body language. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So I would say that reading guys' body language thing is probably a good thing. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot of guys aren't going to get mugged in their daily life, but if psychopaths are able to pick up on those signals, I guarantee you, guys and girls are both picking up on them too. Like your boss is, the girl that you want to date is. Yeah. I'm sure and there's it, some visceral thing in a girl's head where it's like, if I get in a fight, will he back me? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Also, like in if you're if you're a traveler, right? Like. There, there are other nations that aren't as civilized as United States and Canada. Like, have, have you ever been to like, you know, like when I got off the airport in Colombia, I was like, fuck, I made a mistake. Uh, I was just like <laughs> this. I need to, I remember at first thing I went, I went to the hotel and I immediately started looking for flights back home. I, I read all that. The, huh? That's how, that's why I hate the manosphere sometimes. Cause I read all these great things about Colombia and I got off the plane. I was like, yo, this place sucks. <laughs> I went to Cartagena. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, I went out, I hooked up, I hooked up with a couple of chicks. I partied and, uh, stayed in a club and met some Russian girl. But, uh, after like three days, I was like, yeah, get me the fuck out of here. And then I just literally would just stayed in my house. I stayed in my room, smoked weed and ate steaks for like $5 at a restaurant. And that's all I did to wait out my time there. But it was Jeez. so sketch, man. And like, there's all these people like, like sizing you up, like, you know, people, trying to hustle you and looking at your stuff, looking at your phone and like, yeah. Oh, you don't have to go that far. That was me in Tijuana. <laughs> this, uh, was bro this was like a year before the drug war got bad. So it was kind of bad, but not bad to the point where the news would report on it yet. But yeah, the same thing where it's even when I'm drunk with a bunch of sailors, downtown Tijuana, I see the zebra running around. Even then, like I get that spidey sense where you could tell some shit's going to pop off. 
And I was like, yeah, I got to go. <laughs> I look at those guys. I'm like, no. Sure enough, somebody did get rolled too. My boss, actually. I hated mm-hmm. him, which was awesome. But I guess he got drunk, passed out on the beach. Mm-hmm. The guys woke him up, stuffed an M16 in his ribs, robbed him, and then threw him into the ocean. So he Jeez. came back on board without ID, soaking wet. And I didn't want to laugh because he had just got mugged. <laughs> but it was so funny. Oh, man. <laughs> he never lived that one down too. That's Talk about hilarious. losing your authority as a boss. <laughs> That's so funny, know. So, I mean, you know, it all, like I said, body language ties into a lot of things. And there's nobody on the Manosphere or Red Pill area doing this or putting out quality like this. Because quite honestly, there's a lot of frauds and fakes, fake guys out there. There's a lot of, like, if they're not, I don't, a lot of you guys have to realize, I'm talking to you guys in the audience, not you, Ryan. But like oh, you guys. Talk to me, I like you. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you guys have to realize that just because somebody has a bunch of retweets and a bunch of followers and they have like they have like alpha something in their name doesn't mean that they're valid right you need to see their receipts you need to see are they Ooh, I like how you put that yeah they are they putting in work and getting results and then putting that into some form of educational literature or video or audio for you to to take in and get results in your life by using it. And a lot of you guys don't, you don't, you just think like, Oh, this guy's name's alpha, blah, blah, blah. He has 12,000 followers. Let's follow his shit. And a lot of these guys, they're just, there's a bunch of frauds and fakesters. And we're starting to find that out with the, you know, things what's going on with the, the 21 convention. Like this guy's <laughs> red pilling a lot of people unintentionally about business sense. And, um, nobody's put out a course like this because I've gone on a date with over 500 women, right? Jeez. I didn't sleep with I didn't I didn't sleep with 500 women because everybody knows if you're dating you're not uh, having a oh yeah nobody runs 100 percent no you're not running 100 percent ratio but I've gone on over 500 dates with 500 different women all around the world I've been studying body language for years I have my degree in psychology and I put all this course together because there's nothing like it on the dating market and that's why it's been so successful because it's real and if people are getting solid results from it and to top it all off you get the webinars. You get the course and you get also you get the lifetime access to the men's only Facebook group, which I heavily monitor. It's not a mess like the rule zero Facebook like the group. fan page. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I like I make That's sure Wild that West. <laughs> no memes are allowed. No crying. No articles about how feminism is coming to kill us all. None of that. It's Dude, that shit and bothers me so much. We it's all such know. A, yeah. But, but that's the thing. It's like if you're going to make your arch nemesis a, a 15 year old or a 25 year old girl with purple hair, like how low a level of competition do you think you require to have a villain? Like uh, aim high, man. At least the guys arguing with Trump are picking the POTUS, the POTUS to argue with. Like aim high. Think better yeah. of yourself. So, you know, I have I have the the men's only Facebook group. And this is like, you know, this is allowing this is allowing guys to really get in there and post questions and answers, field reports for analysis, your dating profiles so we can judge your photos and your profiles and Ooh, how to optimize. Useful. Yeah, we do that a lot in my group. Uh, we do a lot of image consultancy. And then um, also like, you know, how to use the new dating profile, how to use seeking arrangement. A lot of people don't know seeking arrangement is hot right now, but only if you know what you're doing. And yeah, I still, I, I keep hearing that. And I've obviously I'm not, on it but i'm just like i can't see it like i'm taking your word for it because you're in the trenches but damn you you just got to run salt daddy game and a lot of girls what i've been talking to them and figuring out is this a lot of girls are just using seeking arrangement as a filter 
just to find guys to have their shit together. There are there are there are gold digging whores on there. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I but, should hope so. That's the title of the thing. But you can go. filter out ones that I mean, still I would never take a chick seriously off of seeking arrangement to save my life. Yeah. But um I mean, yeah. Bumble's the same. There's girls that are just on there to get a free dinner or validation after their boyfriend dumped them. So it's not like there's some platform that's only got girls that are DTF with you. Right. No. But like like I said right now, Bumble and like Tinder is definitely oversaturated. Bumble mm -hmm. is oversaturated. Hinge is still newer and hot. And then seeking arrangement, you have to pay $100 a month. So that always, that feeds, that you know pushes away the losers. And then you have to give off the illusion that you have money or you actually have to have money, which is, you know, if you make hundred thousand dollars a year, these girls, you know, these girls, these, these girls are bums, bro. They're, I saw this girl. She's like claims to be some fitness model, and she talked about how she's so great. She makes twenty five hundred dollars a month. I was like, listen here, you're below poverty line. Like, don't even, don't even try to come at me like you are some kind of elite just because you have a vagina. So Dude, that's hilarious. Know. I got two of those in my building every now and then I'm at the gym mm -hmm. and I'll see a girl walk in with like a cameraman and one of the tripods and that like over by the bench. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> now I got to wait for your thoughtery to finish so I can do another set. I'm like, come on. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I just, like I said, but if, but seeking arrangement is hot. If you play right, you know how to run some salt daddy game. And we talk about that all, all in uh, the Facebook group. So the value is there. Like I said, I've, it's only been, I haven't been marketing it as hard this time. I've already had 61 enrollments in 24 hours Damn. and um, it's doing really good. And I'm expecting to cross over the hundred. Usually the last people just procrastinate every launch and the last two days, like it's like fireworks. <laughs> so I'm expecting them to go off as well. And um, I have a lot of people joining in and like, I said, it's the last one because coming next year, I'm doing something uh, a lot different with my show and channel. So um, this is the last time to get in and get this like high quality training, not only from me, from you know, you get to have questions with Ryan, you get to have questions with Rich and it's not like type in a question and we like reply with one no, word. Like, it's it's we, essentially what I'm doing yeah. with you here. We're doing with the guys there. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I, uh, I love doing it and I love that the, 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 all the men that are coming together and like, you know, my guys, within the Facebook group are meeting within each other. They're going and meeting each other, exchanging notes. Well, that's how hot businesses. dude con started, wasn't it? Yeah. Hot dude con started off as a joke. I was like, you know, I just like, you know, who <laughs> what? Wants that's to not super serious. <laughs> I was like, you know, who wants to come have a drink with me in Orlando? Right. Cause that's where I'm from. And then, um, you know, these, uh, these dudes all were like, yeah, we want to meet you. And then I had guys flying in from Texas, from London, from uh london ontario or london uk your london uk no oh. um i had guys coming in from you know washington state new york and we all met up and we had a great time and then um we did it again here in phoenix uh and even more people came this time and so you know it's it's really powerful to meet people in real life that's the big thing you know if you meet people in real life real red pill men who are on the same page as you like we can like sit down and like easily, you know, cause if you talk the way we talk about women sometimes to other people, like, you know, blue pill normies, oh, yeah, they'll stare at you like you got three fucking heads. <laughs> they'll be like, Oh my God, how dare you? You are so offensive. Like, and this guy, <laughs> this guy, like, you know, he makes $35,000 a year at a tire changing shop. He's 38 and he hasn't had sex in seven years. And he's like, 
trying to play some virtue signaling card. Like, listen, dude, shut the fuck up. I don't have time to deal with losers like you. And that just, that's just, that's just how I am. I mean, I cut, I'm cut and dry. I let you guys know that. I almost want to call you a sailor with that filthy potty mouth you got going on. I I did two years in uh, NJROTC, so I have a lot. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember you mentioning that before. Damn officer training bullshit. Yeah, I had two uh two years in um you know I went down to Kings Bay, Georgia. Went down to that base on went on the submarines. I saw like, man, submarines are terrifying, dude. I went to like one of the quarters where nine men have to sleep in one room. You know what I'm talking about? Like, three, oh yeah, and they're like, hot bunked. One, two, oh yeah, three, I forgot. hot bunking one, two, is when three. so when he's not sleeping, he takes a sleeping bag with him. Somebody else goes and sleeps in his bed, so that way they can save on the space. So for oh, your man. two shifts, one guy's sleeping, the other guy's working. It's it's almost it's almost gay, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It Did you was have to take bird baths and all that, or it was interesting, but it wasn't for me. I, I almost joined, but I didn't. And oh I, yeah, you, they wire. You got to be wired differently for it. Like you got to be willing to take baths with wet naps, <laughs> and then save the wet naps so you can throw them out when you get ashore. I don't. How like long? It. How long were you in the service? I was twelve years and change. Oh wow! See, I was I was right, I was right at that point where you either stay in for your pension or you get out. And you got out. Yeah, I got out. Oh, How I long just did, did the math. Pension twenty years. Yeah, it's twenty years for the pension, but there's like now it's twenty five for guys, and they don't collect it till they're sixty five. So it's really messed up. Jesus, it's supposed Christ. to be one of the stable things. But that's the what? thing. Here's the, here's what you look at. Like the job itself, at bare minimum, doesn't matter. You could be the biggest thud fuck ever. You'll get to maybe eighty thousand dollars a year. It's not bad, especially in the part of town you're living. Plus, there's lots of subsidies. You don't have to buy aspirin anymore. Shit like that. Mm-hmm. And you got a pension, which is 40% gross pay. So you earn like $40,000 as your pension after your 20 years. Mm-hmm. But if you do the math, you would it would turn out, okay, so if I earn like you know 100000 a year, I earn 20000 more a year over the last 10 years, plus the, anything extra in that, it ends up being more money than you would get with a decent salary and your pension. So it just made more sense from a financial perspective to leave. And sure enough, yeah, as soon as I got out, like, all of a sudden my pay jumped like 20,000 a year as soon as I got out. And that's why I love your body language thing. So it's the same thing. I was earning well over six figures, but then I didn't really have anything to spend it on. All my investments were maxed out. And then I just bought stupid stuff. Cause I'm like, whatever, I'll just buy a video camera because I'll never use it. What were you doing when you're making that money? Graphic designer? No, no, no. It, uh, information security for the most part. Oh, wow. Full on corporate business side of things. But, um, what it works really well too, because that was essentially my job with the military was cryptography, all that stuff. I'm very hard to believe I'm actually one of those smart nerd egghead types. Hmm. My buddy out in Tokyo, um, he is a really good pal of mine. Um, and uh, he used to do, he used to be in Kuwait and Jordan for United States um, cybersecurity. And that's all he does. Oh, this- and this guy is cracks me up, dude. He is literally so paranoid. He thinks everybody's a spy. He's like, that guy's probably a spy. He's like, this guy's probably a spy because he's seen so much stuff in the cybersecurity world. Yeah, dude, he- that shit is insane there. Just, oh, crap. All right, here's a quick story. Funniest thing, went to this, uh, it was like a cybersecurity workshop. Canada was trying to do what the Americans did where they had like a DEF CON for the military. Went to it. I was like part of the top 30 guys in the military for this stuff. Went down to this thing. They had this group come meet us. I don't want to mention their name, and I'll tell you why at the end of the story. But So they're coming in. They're bringing in their machine. They're calling it the Death Star, how they essentially like monitor 75% of internet traffic. And they're showing us, look at this terrorist group here. This is them talking about this. 
this is a Russian group that hacked somebody's bank account and sold like the guy had like a million, 1.2 million in a bank account and they sold the bank account info. So guys could take it for like 500,000. But then what the banks do is it's insured. So they replace it and they don't tell anybody. So as far as you're concerned, the bank is super secure, but they're not secure. They just have insurance to cover it. And I remember getting back and I was just like on Reddit one day, just goof around. I was like, yeah, I went and I saw this group and they were talking about this thing. It was the coolest thing ever. I got a phone call at work the next day from the group saying, yeah, on your social media account, I've never told anybody about it. I don't know how they know it was me. Like, yeah, we're going to tell your boss. You need to delete all that stuff right now. So I'm like, how are these guys monitoring me in a military base for my internet traffic on stuff that I've never talked about or linked to any emails or anything? Mm -hmm. It really, yeah, I can see why they're paranoid. Were you connected to the Wi-Fi? What's that? Oh, there? No, no. Uh, Hmm. This was... This was back when I think I still had a Windows phone with a stylus. I don't even think it had Wi-Fi. Oh wow! There, there's like I have one guy who's in the. Um, so my when I got my phone set up in Japan, yeah, um, I didn't have a visa at the time. So if you don't have a visa, you can't set up a phone. And really? so yeah, and so I had my girl do it right. And so one time I was doing my live stream, and this guy is he's a uh, he's former Australian intelligence. And uh, now he's working private security in Dubai. And, oh, he's he's raking in cash, guaranteed. Oh, dude, dude, he's yeah, he is. I'm not gonna say how much, but yeah, he is. Oh, it's easy, uh, like easily a quarter. Easy. No, more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a uh, quarter ain't shit, man. This now, this <laughs> guy, this guy is he's killing it. But um, one time, uh, one of my my live stream went out, and I got a text message on the Japanese phone, which is completely routed and connected to my girl's name, no connection to me whatsoever. And he's like, Hey mate, just so you know, the stream just went out. I was like, yo, who the fuck is this? <laughs> and he's like, it's, it's, you know, he said, it's, it's me, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, how did you do this? He's like, I told you I put some security things in check before I got some coaching from you. And I was like, all right, so I'm just going to assume you're always spying on me now. So, <laughs> But yeah, yeah man. it's it's not hard. All these guys worried about security. Like that boat has sailed for the most Dude. part. It's security theater. Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, they're like when you're like, for, for instance, if you're logged into Facebook, no matter what, if you're logged in, as long as you're logged in, even on your phone or on your desktop, as long as you're logged in, Facebook tracks every single thing you do. Every single thing. For you guys in the audience that don't know that, that's why you get all these super highly efficient targeted ads because Facebook knows exactly what you're doing at all yeah, times. Yeah, read here. If you guys don't know, go to like a learn Spanish book, read the first chapter, and then turn on YouTube or Facebook and watch how your ads start t- happening in Spanish. Oh, yeah. That's how good it is. But and, uh, but that, that's the point of this is I was just like you. I'm like, well, okay, money's great. I'm doing well. Enjoy it enough, but not so much. I decided to leave and took a huge pay cut for the Manosphere because you're right. It is, it is more rewarding. It's actually nice to see a guy like I know Rolo's the one he's like, he's got 80 guys. Like, yeah, I stopped committing suicide because you helped me on that. I'm not at that level yet, right? but it's awesome to get an email from a guy like, yeah, I got over my ex-wife or Hey, I just, uh, my wife left me, took the kids and now I have three plates. That's actually one of my guys in Patreon right now. Mm-hmm. I got three plates. Life is awesome. And the divorce is actually handled better because of your advice. It's just nice to see those little victories. Yeah. Oh, and I yeah. don't think you could put a price on it. I mean, 
once my mortgage and food is paid, I don't really care about the rest. Yeah, man. Like on my birthday and on Christmas, I had a lot of guys from my group like sending me money and, and Amazon gift cards. I was like, listen, guys, like don't do this. <laughs> I was telling them, I was like, dude, don't don't send me anything. And they're like, listen, man, you changed my life this year. This is like the best year of my life. And so, and they're like sending me money. So I'm just like, I, all right, you know, so, you know. Yeah, just pay it forward, you know. Yeah, I brought my brother, I brought my brother uh, something with the money. One of the guys sent me, so. Aw, something. I Making family brother. stronger. We are, dude. We're like my brother's like the real example of a patriarchy. Not like all these dorks on the internet preaching about it and like prostituting their children online for like clicks oh, and likes. Dude, I was going on for like an hour. How much that bothers me when guys are parading their kids around like trophies. That's uh, how you yeah. mess up a kid at eighteen. Imagine that. It's like that's like some Macaulay Culkin level. I was just going to say, look what happened to Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Corey Feldman. Is that what you want? I don't want that. No, 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 man. No, 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 no. No bueno. But yeah, man, like I said, that's Body Language Mastery. It's uh, it The enrollment closes on December 30th at 11.59 p.m. One stroke away from midnight. And I know somebody's going to book at 11.59 p.m. Because every single time, I kid you not, Ryan – they book at the last, last minute. minute, the literal last minute sales come in. Dude, I strongly suggest it. Honestly, guys, what the alternative here for that same amount of money, you can pay those inflated rates at the bar because you know, they do that every Halloween and every new year's they're like cover becomes 150 bucks. Mm -hmm. Take that money, put it towards body language mastery. If you want get in there, actually do the work and show up. Like I've, if you want to subsidize everybody else by paying your share and not showing up, that's fine. But it'd be much better for you if you actually show up. Because even if you don't understand things, if something's going over your head or you miss a detail, there's like a hundred other guys in there that'll be more than happy to teach you the parts that you may have missed. Because if you don't know, watching something and reading something, it's what, 30% retention. Mm -hmm. But when you're actually in there and you're talking to the other guys about it, you're teaching each other. And at that point, retention becomes 90%. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about showing up to these webinars, showing up and talking to guys, it's not just get it as a value add. It's actually built into the teaching mechanism. Like that is how you learn it by getting in there and actually articulating what you've learned and teaching others who are having trouble. And then they do the same to you. It's absolute benefit. It's such a expansive skill. Like, yeah, you'll learn to pick up girls and that's great. Maybe you want to be a patriarch and move off to the woods. But like Drew was saying, when you need to do a business deal with a guy at work, when you need to deal with your boss over a salary promotion, you're going to start noticing that same, like obviously your boss isn't going to be stroking his glass because he wants to sleep with you, but <laughs> you're going to start seeing those positive body language or negative body language symbols. And it's really going to help you tailor your, not just your game game, but like your business game or your social circle game or your Christmas party with Karen and the kids game. I'm yep. just saying <laughs> body language is like a human constant and it's never going away. So the better you get at it, the better you're going to get at everything. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. Wouldn't you say, John? Or no. am I or am I being a little bit hyperbolic here? No, no, no. I think it's uh, it's spot on. Like I said, um, the results speak for themselves. I've had over 460 people enroll so far this year, and uh, you know, and everybody's happy. The word has been spreading. I'm ranking like pretty much number one. If you type in body language, modern life dating and body language, I've come up number one. Nice. And, Look at uh, you with your SEO. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, even try, I didn't even try. It's all organic too. So that's what I'm offering. Um, that's it. So I'm going to get in there early guys. Cause I don't know if you know this, but John's in Japan. So his schedule is all weird. He's on like in the morning, in the evening, in the middle of the day, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's funny because you see over like the three week period, you start becoming, and that's why you're wearing sunglasses because you'll start getting less and less sleep. And then by the end, you just look like a zombie. <laughs> oh, I, I, it's a joke. I, I tell them like, you guys get to join the webinars and watch my health deteriorate. I don't wear the, the sunglasses in the webinars. I, I, I take them off and everything, but no. you know, sunglasses and everything are just part of my moniker for my online digital empire. And when you first shaved your head, I'm like, why'd you shave your head, dude? It's like, ah, oh, it's just, I don't have time in these webinars to get a haircut. So I just picked it and called it a yeah. day. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, these days, yeah, I just, I just, I nuke it. Cause I just like, it just don't have time to, when I do these webinars, they, they really consume a lot of my time. Um, a lot of everything, man. And, and just, but it's worth it to see the guy's lives change. So I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go grab something to eat and then we're going to do rule zero. Yeah. Yeah, half an hour, end of year stuff. So anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thank John. Links in the chat if you guys want to, if you haven't done it yet. Take care, Ryan. Yeah, take care, John. There's the Body Language Mastery course. Thank you for sticking around all this time. And don't forget, Trad isn't a lifestyle. It's a narcissistic fantasy. But I'll see you guys in half an hour. We're going to be on Rolo's channel, end of year, Red Morning. Cheers, guys. Or not Red Morning, Rule Zero.